Hey, Bon Vivants, welcome back. This is part two of our encore presentation of the B. Bertles episodes way back in episode 26, part one and two. Brad and I are on the road in Nashville, so that's why we're running these encore episodes. And Brad, tell them about the exciting news for the original Little River Band. Well, from what we understand, there's going to be a multi-CD, multi-vinyl, vinyl, yeah, digital. Yeah. I mean, the whole Little River Band collection. And right. oh my gosh, these are the real this guys. This is the real deal. Straight from Australia. You betcha. That's right. Hey, Good day, Mike. Good day, Mike. Yeah. yeah, it's right. Super. <laughs> yep. So anyway, and, we're uh, excited about that. Yeah, and, we are. Uh, we'll post all the links and things to uh, be able to access that when the information is finally out there. You know, the other thing we always want to do is thank our sponsors, Barvino for our bottles that we get to sample and taste. What a treat that is. And uh, Missouri River Regional Library. And we talked about music, you know, on this episode and others, but don't forget that you have all sorts of resources as far as books and uh, information, travel, food, wine, whatever you want to learn. You can create your own preference box and they will have books ready for you when you go and check them out. So, Support your local library. Ours is the Missouri River Regional Library, and we thank them for being a sponsor. So enjoy this encore episode, and uh, uh, as always, don't don't be a lonesome loser. Don't be a lonesome loser. There you go. And hey. uh, as always, cheers. cheers. So you like bold red wine most of the time, with notes of fig and raisin. You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes as the sun is fading. You like football games and dishing out nicknames with Godfathers 1 and 2. We're not so fast, we've got a podcast. We like that too. 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 Hey, Bon Vivants, you're listening to the second part of a two-part episode with Little River Band founding member B. Bertles. If you missed the first part, go back and download it and get the rest of the story. The Bee Gees were another great harmony band. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. But then think how the music changed under the same vocals when they hit their disco phase. Yeah, yeah. they, they and, had to adapt. And Right. And so, and I felt at the time I left the band, I thought, you know, Little Ruth Band could go on for another 10 years if we changed the music underneath the vocals, you know. Yeah. And uh, But it wasn't to be. Well, it was a great run. But that being said, there were different permutations of the band. And in the book, you go through the phases of the band with different yeah. members. Yeah. So what's the process? What's it like when you have to, when you either lose or fire a member and have to replace them? How does that happen? We've all seen the movie Rockstar, Rockstar. you know, and we've heard the story of, uh, the, the journey lead singer, uh, Steve Perry. But yeah, when Steve left and they mm -hmm. got Alden Pineda yeah. out of the Philippines right. off of a, apparently a YouTube video. Right. But what's the real process of trying to find a new bandmate to replace someone that you're, you're missing? Um, I think to a large extent, I think Graham Goebel was the one who was always seeking change more so than anybody, you know. I think uh, Glenn and I would have been happy to have stayed with some of the older guys because we were all mates, you know, when we first got together. Um, 
But inevitably, you know, bands do go through changes. Somebody becomes unhappy or somebody doesn't want to tour anymore or whatever the reason might be. Um, and then, you know, you've either seen somebody live that impressed you as, you know, uh, we did with Wayne Nelson when he joined the group. He was playing with Jim Messina, the Jim Messina band. And um, Graham just was like crazy about his playing and his singing so he got mm-hmm. to join the band that way and then later on uh david briggs our our second guitar player uh was replaced by stephen housden who we want to t- talk about no. in this session <laughs> we're, gonna, <laughs> we're not going to do a deep dive on that we'll, we'll spare you that we can, um, yeah, yeah when you first started in the united states yeah you were the opening band for some amazing. Yeah. Let's see. Here's a list. Okay. I got uh, Little Feet, which, by the way, I think musically is one of my favorite bands. They're fantastic. They're and, and a great band name. I love Little, little Feet, Feet as a, a band name. Again, we, we're, we're huge bad. Little Feet fans. Little Feet yeah. is it's great. Better than Deep Freeze. It's it is. <laughs> it is. The Doobies, of course. Yep. Doobie they, they've done well. Yeah. Uh, Hart. Um, Bob Seeger. Who yeah. Brenda and I got to see uh, up in Columbia for his uh, yeah. farewell tour, and the let 60s, me tell you, yeah. and he can still sing. Oh, yeah, Bob it can was, still sing. Yeah. It was amazing. It was yeah. a fantastic night. And he was a label mate. He was on Capitol with oh, us. Oh, cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Tramp, America, yeah. Foreigner, and of course, as you look around in the Bombay Vaughn International Media Center, you might have picked up that. Uh, we are parrot heads and right. big big fans of uh, of JB and, and yeah. Jimmy Buffett, and I understand that he uh, he afforded you a, a, a very nice uh, introduction right. uh, when right. uh, you were with Jimmy. Any Jimmy yeah. stories you've got? Because we got parrot heads on here listening. Oh today. wow! Well, he was very very gracious to us because we um, on that very first tour, I think in '76. Uh, when we started coming down the coast from Vancouver, British Columbia down, um, I don't know, he must have seen us do a sounder check or something. And, um, so even before he, before we hit the stage, he walked out and, you know, we were in, fr- in front of maybe 5,000 kids and said, um, he said, you guys are in for a real treat. <laughs> this is a brand new band from Australia. And they're called the Little River Band, and he virtually introduced us. And then um, we did our set, and then he came on and did his set, of course, to as many fans. But um, I've never forgotten that story about Jimmy. The, you don't have that happen with the headliner very often, do you? No, yeah. not at yeah, all. That's not very all. nice. And he has yeah. been, and he has been so gracious in bringing other people up. You know, always. Caroline Jones yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's other other bands and whatnot that he's brought on with him, yeah. and uh, I I think that uh, you know studio wise, you've got Mac McAnally and the people yeah. that he plays with yeah. are amazing. I mean, he's he's sort of an anomaly in the business because mm-hmm. he keeps all of his people, including his his stage crew and his backstage yeah. people. We listened yeah. to one of his podcasts, and it it amazes me that. Now that they've gotten back from COVID, how much they missed each other because they are a bona fide production family. Right, right. And you can't say that about too many tours. No, um, no. It's amazing. Yeah, no, so, he's, done, he's done amazing things. Speaking of, of backstage and production and whatnot, did you keep a lot of – did you have a core group of, of backstage folks that worked with Little River Band that stayed with you pretty much yeah. most, of the, most of the time? Yeah, most of the time. I mean some of those guys would – 
you know, come and go as well. But we pretty much had the core, especially our out front recording engineer who was also our recording engineer in the studio. Yeah. People do not realize how important that continuity is mm-hmm. that you've got those mm-hmm. those people that and we, help that help you make make you sound good. Right. And we had, you know, on stage cuz you know we we don't really hear what's going out the front. Right. I mean, we've got our we we had a monitoring system because of our vocals that was dubbed Lord Nelson. <laughs> and um <laughs> <laughs> these these wedges in those days, this before inner ears, right, right. Um, were specifically made for our vocals, and and they travelled around the world with us. And then we had um, our uh, on stage monitoring guy who just concentrated on our vocals. John Henderson was absolutely he knew exactly what we needed to hear in those monitors. So as long as what we were hearing on stage for ourselves. Then, you know, we were confident that what was going out front would be just as pristine. Yeah. So, and that's well, how we operated. Well, talk a little bit about, again, your career, a, a long career in music. How has the technology changed since you started? You know, now, right. now there, everybody has an earpiece. Right, right. Uh, and, and what do you think that means for the music and how we absorb it as consumers, how it's recorded, how it's distributed? You know, what's all that technology done, well, in I your opinion? I know this may be an opinion well, question. Well, my, my opinion is that how much of it is really live anymore? Yeah. Because nowadays with technology and inner ears and blah, 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 you know, and everybody playing to what we call a click, which means you're exactly in time with, you know, whatever m- might be accompanying you, you know, they they can bring in other voices that are not on stage, other instrumentation, you know, because now I think it's not so much more a rock show anymore. It's it's become productions now. Yeah. You know, yeah. everything has become a production. Yeah. There's but a really uh, good series of uh, documentaries called Classic Albums. I don't know if you've seen any of yes, them. Yes, I have. But they go back. Uh, one that comes to mind is Steely Dan's Asia. Yeah. They break down. They go into the studio, you know, where the, the board is and all the sliders, yeah. and they'll pull out sounds and then – that's cool. In. It that's is cool because it lets you hear back in the analog days, right? Before digital, you know, adaptation, right? How they had to layer the sounds, and right. you may not notice it, but when it's gone, mm-hmm. you miss it. You know that kind right. of thing. So right. I think that's there's very funny stories about that too. You know, of going out and you know clapping hands out in the uh, in the bathroom, and because yeah. uh, they right. wanted a sound, a mm-hmm. certain sound that right. they wanted mm-hmm. to make, right. and so they just. Went and recorded it. Right, you know, right. It, it's the Queen did one, and they were talking about the recording of "Lazy on a Sunday Afternoon." It was on night at the opera. I go out to work on Sunday morning. Tuesday, I go off with honeymoon. Okay, but they okay. had this 1940s radio sound. Oh yeah, and they put the mic inside a coffee can, and that's <laughs> wow. how they did it. They couldn't do it digitally. Right, they had to create it in the studio. Now, it's an interesting documentary if you ever get a chance to see yeah, it. It's very no, good. I'd be yeah. very, we're actually in the process right now of uh, we've been able to obtain all of our 24-track uh, tapes back nice. from the record companies. And we're in the process of remastering everything that will eventually become, uh, I think they're going to call it ultimate hits. And um, we've got three different projects coming up, actually. I'm talking about Little River Band right now. So okay. it will be ultimate hits. And then we're putting out a second one 
that is going to be called masterpieces because um you know there were a lot of songs on little river band albums that weren't necessarily the hits but that were just great album tracks i know and a lot of people you know a lot of people love uh, the one song that i've written called light of day um, that was on that album there, Sleeper Catcher. And, um, great album. And, uh, I can't wait to hear the Masterpieces album because it's, it's got some of the rarer tracks on it, but it will be all remastered and it will sound absolutely fantastic. And it will be called what? Masterpieces. Masterpieces. It, it won't be Little River Band's greatest hits by the original, <laughs> no, the original members. <laughs> That was a smart ass thing. I yeah. should have said that. Uh, I'm, I'm closer than you are. You want me to slap you? So the bon, for the Bon Vivants out there, there's definitely a, a soap opera sort of issue, I guess, with Little River Band and the name and, and everything, which is, I think, yeah. very, very unfortunate. But on the other hand, be not that uncommon either. No. It's you not know, it, no. it seemed um, there's there was several bands back in the – in the 60s and 70s, and um, the the hits came, but the business didn't. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, that's true. You know, and, yeah. that, and that's kind of Yeah, it was unfortunate. We, we actually, for the people listening, we actually lost the rights uh, to the name and the trademark Little River Band. Yeah. And uh, it's prevented us from touring the States, you know. So what you go out there to see right now is basically a tribute band, but... They can call themselves Little River Band. Yeah, but I tell you what, if you get a chance, because I watched it. um, This was recorded back in '03. Right. This is uh, Bertel Sharrock and and Goebel. This is a great concert. Where Where did they? Was this in Melbourne? Yes, they recorded. What is the venue where you recorded this? It was called the Forum. And it's in downtown Melbourne. It's wild yeah. looking. The and statues the, and stuff. Is yeah. that, it's not an outside venue, is no, it? No, it's kind of Greek Gothic yeah. in, inside of it. The interesting story behind that and the reason why it's Bertel Shark Goble and not Little River Band is because we had intended to reform what people call the classic lineup of the group. And then we ran into that snag with losing the name. And so we thought, well, you know what? You know, because the three of us wrote most of the songs and we were the voices, we'll uh, just put a younger band behind us and we'll go out and do these concerts. And I did that for maybe five years in the early 2000s. That guitar player you had, yeah. who is that young Simon man? Hosford. Simon Hosford. He, he was amazing. He was yeah. incredible. And then, Everybody behind you in the And then my, my good friend uh, Alejandro Vega is the percussionist right. in that uh, whole deal. And yes. the other guy who's fantastic, well, also all of them are fantastic, great musicians. Uh, the guy that played keyboards and also played the trumpet in uh, Days on the Road, he's another phenomenal Australian musician. But you guys vocally, I mean, it could have been 79. It could have been, well, I mean, yeah. you guys just sounded, it was yeah. It was so spot on. Yeah, it we were surprised so good. how good we still sound because we weren't, <laughs> we weren't getting any younger, you know. So. You worked with the great George Martin. Yes, that's right. Tell us a little bit about that because you know when you were talking about technology. One of the one of the things the Beatles said used to say is, you know, if we had ever been able to hear ourselves with the technology we've got now, we might have kept touring. But yeah. they were just tired of being screamed at and not yeah. even know where they are in a song. You that's know? right. So, yeah. 
how did that come about, working with George Martin? Well, we had recorded most of our albums in Melbourne, and um, the decision we made was let's go and make an album somewhere else where we are away from the distractions of being at home with our families and blah, 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 whatever. And so we started, uh, we asked our manager to start looking for a producer to work with us. And, um, we actually, the first guy we came, we thought of was a guy called Tom Dowd, who was a fantastic, uh, recording engineer and has done many, many great albums with Rod Stewart and others. Um, but I don't know what happened. I think he either wasn't available or whatever. And then we, you know, we got in touch with George Martin and, um, George had, uh, opened his second air studio, which was on the island of Montserrat in the West Indies. And it was one of those all inclusive deals back in those days. You could rent the studio and they would provide your accommodation. And uh, there was a chef who oh, would wow. cook for you. And it was like something ridiculous, like $17,000 a week or something. So we said, yeah, we want to work with George Martin. And it included um, Jeff Emmerich, the recording engineer. Okay. And uh, we flew to Montserrat. And uh, Donna actually came with me, Donna and Hannah, who was maybe a Sounded like a pretty good working holiday to me. Yeah. Yeah. Not not a bad spot. Yeah, Yeah. we were there for three weeks, and that's where we recorded the uh, Time Exposure album. Okay. Nice. Which which was really the last album that had our last three biggest hits on it, The Night Owls, Take It Easy on Me. Take It Easy on Me. Man on Your Mind. Yeah. I love Night Owls. I think that's an underrated song. Yeah, uh, and I got to sing that on um, the Bertel Sharrock Gobble thing. Right, nice. right. Yeah. Nice. Which is you'd cool. be you, you'd be thrilled and interested to know that sitting over there next to uh, Brenda and Dave is the 1979 Jeff City High School Marcullis, and you'd be thrilled to to know that our prom theme was. Reminiscing. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> hey, and, I got a, a real interesting thing to tell you about that. And as a side, we used to do a senior. There was a kind of a senior questionnaire of what was our favorite movies, and right. I'm like, well, look at the look at the songs, lady. So, wow, you guys made the Jeff City Marcullis twice in 1979. Okay, so. I think Donna has those, so I'll, I'll have she, to check it out. Yeah, she it's might. really good. So. But the story about reminiscing is we recorded Sleeper Catcher, this album, and, uh, you know, we always let Capital choose the singles because, you know, they knew their radio market and stuff. And, guys, we don't hear a single on this album. What? (laughs) And so. What are you listening to? Yeah. And so (laughs) we thought, well. What are we going to do? Because, you know, they're likely to send you back into the studio and say, look, record some more stuff. But there was one guy at Capitol in New York who stood up to the company and said, you guys are nuts reminiscing. It's a smash hit. And so he was able to convince them and that, you know, like it almost wasn't a, a single. Yeah, that's funny how stuff bless, like that happens. Bless his heart. Yeah. Good call. Good yeah. call. So about three weeks ago, we heard that Reminiscing has surpassed 50 million streams on Spotify. Oh, my goodness. 
Wow. Well, That's a lot, isn't it? Well, like, again, that, that song is timeless. Yeah. And it hit – now the, the people who heard it as young people are in their more mature years. And so yeah. it, ha- it actually has a meaning in a different way now as yeah. it, that they're older than when they first heard it. Right. They can actually relate to it now. They are reminiscing. Right. And and like Happy Anniversary, it's a great song to celebrate, you know, a, an event. An event. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. It's a great – it is. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful song. It's yeah. timeless. It, it's one of those, you know, as songwriters, I think you hope that you'll have one or two yeah. that are going to last longer than yeah. you. I think well, I think, I mean, you're, I think Little River Band's got several of those yes, kind of songs. Yes, do. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable to me that, uh, you know, 45 years later – that we were still hearing our stuff, you know, when you walk through a shopping mall or wherever <laughs> yeah. you might be. I mean, yeah. you, they're still playing it, yeah. which is um, – Well, there's go, more – goes back to that whole, you know, perfectionism thing that we uh, – we we were just wanting to record uh, really class music. But you've got outlets too, Beeb, with um, Sirius XM. You've got right. – you've got channels. Yeah. You know, uh, right. you've got channels that cater – to people of our age that we yeah. listen to those songs and we and we still get a chance to hear those songs that's right and that's I, right. And, and you didn't you couldn't do that on fm radio you know no. uh, once the song was a hit that was it go put it on you know your, right. your vinyl record and listen to it if you want right. to hear it again right. Yeah. Yeah. right but now you've got so many more avenues uh to bring these songs out yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's true well from a consumer thank you for the music you produced, oh, yes, thanks. And uh, because I know I'm I'm a fan, and uh, I know a lot of my contemporaries are fans of of the music you made, right? So yes. thank you for yeah. that. We do yeah. it's appreciate a, it. All it's right, a, third part of the show. Oh, is it time? Is it, it is. time to talk it is about time. buildings and things? Yeah, it's time to talk about the three top picks. Now, one of the things I found out when I tried to do a little research into Beeb is he loves art, not only his family and his faith, but he loves architecture. Okay. So we thought, how fun would it be? Cause you've traveled the world. You've seen a lot of different places, mm-hmm. three top architectural wonders. Mm-hmm. And because we haven't traveled the world as much, we're going to say either you've seen them or you know about them and would like to see them or right. maybe have just heard about them. They may not even be in existence anymore. And so here's how we'll do it. We'll let the guests go first. We do one at a time. Mm-hmm. And we'll just go around the circle until we get all three choices. We cheat. We do honorable mentions because sometimes <laughs> it's our it's, show. We yeah. do whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we might double on some. In fact, you and I did double on one. You you shared yours with me, but that's okay. I, I chose a different one, but we're going to agree on a couple here. So yeah. what's your first architectural wonder top three picks well it would have to be Antoni Gaudi who is a Spanish architect and um, there's a story behind this do we have time for this? sure yeah. we love stories okay so when Hannah the oldest turned 30 Donna and I said to her well where would you like to go for your 30th and she kind of surprised us she said uh, well dad I, I want to go back to the place where you were born Amsterdam, Holland. Very good. So, well, nice choice, well, Anna. Yeah, so, <laughs> you didn't have a problem with that, so did her, you? Her uh, birthday is New Year's Day. So we went over to Amsterdam and it was freezing. It was so cold. Yeah. But the Amsterdam fireworks for New Year's Eve ushered in her 30th birthday, which is pretty spectacular. Well, that's a nice way to so, – yeah. Anyway, so – Do you work on your Dutch? 
Yeah, I'm still good he's with still, my Dutch. He's yeah, still fluent in Dutch. Um, so for Emmy's 30th, we thought, well, I'm going to have to do the same thing. You know, Emmy, where do you want to go for your 30th? You know? And we hummed and hard and thought of some different places. And we decided on Barcelona mm-hmm. in Spain. Good. So we were there for another eight days celebrating Emmy's 30th birthday, which is in March. We got to learn about Anthony Gaudi and La Sagrada Familia, which is the church that he has designed. It's a Catholic church that is still being built this day. Yeah, still under construction. And this thing is like phenomenal. It is. Oh, my God. I mean, he was one of those architects. You kind of like Frank Lloyd Wright, but in a different way. He uh, it was very... Um, earthy kind of guy. He was all about nature and stuff. And, you know, the tragic thing about Anthony Gaudi was that his life was ended by a streetcar. Oh. Yeah, he died. Didn't know that. Yeah, he died. uh, He got run over by a streetcar. Yeah. In in Barcelona. But when you see some of the buildings, like the place that he designed for himself where we lived, uh, I mean, everyone... And then there's also the gardens... Uh, the Gaudi Gardens that you can uh, – we did all these things. Yeah. We saw them So um, in Barcelona. So that would be probably my first pick of I have, something I have fantastic. to agree. We, we did a, a one-day stop in Barcelona on a Mediterranean cruise oh. and got to see the cathedral. Okay. And it's hard to describe. You're right. And But, but the closest I can come to describing it – and tell me if you think you agree with this. When you're on the beach – and you mix sand and water, yeah. And then you hold it up and squeeze it in your hand and let it dribble yes. till it builds up and then dries into a almost like a melted wax. Uh, it's hard to describe, but the, it yeah. sort of has that look. But I know what on you the mean. Exterior. It's kind of those little kind of droplet things. Right. And, but when yeah. you look at it, when you get close to it, there's detail in all that stuff. Oh, we did the, we did the audio too. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, it's just mind. It's very impressive, and it's there incredible. are other things in Barcelona that he designed, and you can see yes. they have a very distinctive look. So yes, yeah, great good. choice, great yeah. way to start off the three top picks. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> so my first uh, top pick is going to go back into history, and it's the aqueducts of Rome. Um, The aqueducts were actually built over a period of about 500 years. Not only were they architecturally pleasing, at least the part that you saw saw above ground, because the aqueducts both went underground and above ground to carry water to the metropolitan area of Rome. And um, they used the Roman arch Mm -hmm. as part of their – the classic Roman arch as part of their their form and function. Um, So they had beauty. But they were functional. They served a very important purpose, mm-hmm. and they have withstood the test of time. You can still see aqueduct ruins in all over Europe. Right. Um, in fact, there is one that's still an active bridge in France, Porta Gard, I believe, over the Gard River. The French probably pronounce that differently. They were built to last. You know, that's right. that's BC. Uh, Are you guys fans of Rick Steves Europe? On public television? It's on a Sunday. Every Sunday at around 4.30 in the afternoon, there's Rick Steves Europe. It's only a half an hour program. And I saw a segment on the aqueducts of Rome in one of his things. He travels all over Europe. Yeah. Wow. And uh, it's a really, really fascinating program. Yeah. Yeah. And and it used 
siphons and gravity and everything yeah. and the and the, the way they channeled their water. Right. The yeah. engineering was incredible the engi- because yeah. there was like just it was flowing downhill, but in some places just by enough, just a fractions of an of an inch, but it yeah. it kept going down. Well, well, they would use siphons to to raise it to the next level to keep it moving. Yeah. yeah. And um, the other thing was that the, the initial aqueduct that was built into Rome carried seventy five thousand cubic feet of water a day. Now that seems like a lot of water to me, but pretty impressive engineering yeah. and architecture for that time. Yeah. Uh, and they did that all over the world. You know, they 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 yeah. had a huge empire and they built those things everywhere they put their footprint. Wow. So that's my first pick. You guys went really old school. Well, I didn't. We're I didn't cl- go. I didn't go as old school we're as both, you did. We're both classical personalities. <laughs> you guys are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I went with the uh, Solomon Guggenheim Museum in New York City. Well, um, it always reminds me a little. You know the uh, the video of Devo when they do whip it and they got those hats on. Yes. Yeah. If you took one of those hats yeah. and you turned it upside down, it's kind of what the Guggenheim. <laughs> It's, that's what it looks like. It, what it looks uh, yeah. like. No, I know exactly what you mean. That's <laughs> what it looks like. But anyway, uh, it was opened in 1959, and it was a Frank Lloyd Wright building. And people mm-hmm. don't realize it was a Frank Lloyd Wright I building because it doesn't that. look like a Frank Lloyd Wright building. Yeah. This is very – it's very round. When we went, it's just an interesting thing. It's it's kind of like a, a big, wide – uh, staircase, uh, circular staircase, and it goes right. up and up and up and up and up. And if you're smart, you learn to go all the way to the top, get away from all the people, and go against the grain yes. because there's so <laughs> many people in right. there. Yeah. Right. But that opened in New York City in 1959. There was about 3,000 people there for the, the opening that day. And uh, it was, uh, I believe, Frank Lloyd Wright's last big uh, accomplishment. He died mm-hmm. about six months later at 91 or how old was it? He was 91. He, yeah, he was old when he Six died. months after they opened the Guggenheim, wow. uh, they lost Frank Lloyd Wright. So wow. it's an amazing... Uh, it's, There's nothing I wrong with that choice, Brad. I think it's an amazing... Don't be uh, so hard on yourself. Ah, uh, well, you know, you know. believe in yourself, Brad. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, coach. <laughs> So anyway, I'm going with. Uh, I'm if going, you're looking uh, to me to be positive, boy, you got to. You need to change your uh, standards a little bit. So, so I, right. went with, I went with Frank Lloyd Wright right. in the Guggenheim. All right, Beeb number two. Uh, number two would have to be in my home country, in Australia, in Sydney, the Sydney Opera House. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to be I, very disappointed if you had to right. pick. If you had to pick, I had one. it on. I had it on my list. Yeah. Beeb shared his list with me uh, uh, before we got into this whole thing and I was I mean, like ah, I thought I thought about that's it. Our I, was great like, choice. I was like there's no way I'm picking yeah. that one. I know I know that that one's going to come up because it is just an it's it is Australia in many ways. Oh yeah. It is. Oh yeah, it's, it's iconic. It's yeah. The brand of, yeah. of Australia when people yeah. think of Australia that and kangaroos plus and and be and be Bertle. I got to play inside yeah, of it. Yeah. You did. So what's it like? What's it like to play outside of it? What's it like to play in there? It's not big. It only seats about eighteen hundred people. Okay, it's not big, but the acoustics in there are fantastic. Wow. Yeah, really great. But the the other big thing is, is um, the they held a concert one in seventy nine, I think. Yeah, nineteen seventy nine on the steps of the opera house. Oh, okay. Built built a big stage and everything, and sixty thousand people turned up <laughs> with this concert outside. And so you see the the sails in the background. Yeah. 
you hear, uh, you know, rock music being played and uh, made a great backdrop, didn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Spectacular. Well, Spectacular. well, you know, that was, that's one of the things about it. it's gorgeous and it's a, it's an architectural phenomena. Right. But it was so, there was nothing like it when it was built and everybody yeah. saw it for the first time. I mean, yeah. It was so unique. Yes. It was groundbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. groundbreaking. And it's, it's and it's withstood the test of time too. It's, it still has. Where was that. a couple of your all time favorite places to play in Australia? Cause you've probably played them all. Yeah. Um, I mean, there have been so many really. Are any of those, I, I, are I any mean, of those halls it, really, really stand out? They're really kind of spectacular. Well, it's not so much the halls as the, the events. Right. Because of, you know, like we did one event in Melbourne at the Calder Raceway. And that was another one of those things. Uh, um, well, actually, it was Fleetwood Mac, Santana, Ooh. and Little River Band, and then a local guy called Kevin Kevin Burridge who played there that show. And it was it was so crowded at the raceway that we had to be flown in with a helicopter to play there because sixty to eighty thousand people turned up for the show. That was just amazing, you know. Oh, wow. Wow. So it wasn't called a raceway, isn't anything spectacular to look at, but it was spectacular because of the crowd, you know. Um, Rab- rabbit hole time. That's cool. You know, one of the one of the one of the, one of the <laughs> we do this quite often. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the events that you all played though was Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, and I'm yeah. wondering if that's the one you went to. It, it what I looked at the dates and it wasn't. I was at oh. one one of those summer fest, summer jam, yeah, big yeah. concerts, oh, yeah, but man. but it wasn't the one. It wasn't the one you mentioned in the book. But uh, oh, there were there was a series of those over some yeah. of those late 70s. Yeah. Well, that's summers. the first thing I thought of. Was, yeah. I wonder if Keith went to this. I did too. Nugent, I did. Nugent Ario Speedwagon. Which Ario is one of my one of my favorite bands. Yeah, yeah. I liked yeah. Ario. We did a lot of shows. Edgar Winter, did you? Yeah. yeah. Was um, Head East on that one too? Um, I you didn't have it in the book. Could have been because oh. there was what seven there or eight was a bunch bands. Of them. There's yeah. a bunch, but of those bands. were all day events. Right. I mean, yeah, those were. Yeah, like yeah, I said, when day, I, I only long. I only remember parts of it. I so. like Head East. Yeah. I like Head East. Okay, <laughs> sorry, so Keith. Cool. No, that's all right. So, so my second choice is. Um, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, at first when I chose it, I'm like, is this an architectural wonder? And sure it, I, is. it is. And part of it is because it is a suspension bridge, obviously. That's the, the way of the design. But it is Art Deco. The arches and trusses are in the Art Deco style. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that till I did a little research on it. Right. Um, but my story with the Golden Gate is that when I was in high school, my older sister and her husband lived in San Francisco. And they lived on the Presidio, which was a functional army base at the time. Mm-hmm. They were in officers' quarters, a little house. You walked out her back door and looked out over her little picket fence in the backyard. There was the Golden Gate Bridge. They overlooked the Golden Gate Bridge. A gorgeous vista. I flew in at night, couldn't see anything, got up the next morning, and there was the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Funny story, the Department of Defense didn't want it to be built because they thought it would interfere with naval traffic going oh. in and out. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I so, can see that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But they overcame that, so – because I've seen aircraft carriers go underneath it, and it's It's, it's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. 220 feet span between – water At, at high water tide. To, water, water to Water to deck, water to, to deck yeah. Wow. At high tide, so it's up there. Correct. Yeah. It's up there. Well, my uh, my second one is uh, this. Is, I've got a couple of homes on mine actually because I think architecturally they're they're amazing. Um, the uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt did the breakers up in Newport. 
Mm. Uh, 70 rooms, cost over $12 million <laughs> at the time. This what's home. That, what's that equate to nowadays? I don't know. Yeah. This home is incredible. It's absolutely amazing. These are summer cottages, by the way. Mm. Yeah, I like the word cottage, don't you? Yeah, for 70 rooms. Like, like Biltmore? Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Very similar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, the first one, I guess, burned. And so he said, we're not going to have that again. And so he built the second one. It's pretty much steel and stone. And the other interesting thing about that is they put the boiler for the heating system for the house actually underground in a, its own bunker. So it works away from the house. Yeah. So yeah. keep the fire away from the house. Yes. Brenda and I went and we went through this thing. And I'll tell you what, Bebe, I remember about this place, the kitchen was a mind blower because you used wood on the stove, right? but the stove is about 20 feet long. I mean, it's got a deck on it that was enormous and you could put, I well, the, the house was built for entertaining mm-hmm. and, you know, you could go out on the, on the vistas and look out of the ocean. I can just see these fancy people out here and the part, right. the parties they must've had and yeah. the stained glass that's in this house. Yeah. Is is phenomenal, and the the stonework is just amazing. But yeah, I, I've got to go with the breakers, and it's mm. a beautiful area. Good choice, of, of Newport. Have you ever been up in that area? Have you been to Newport? I probably have, but I've never heard of that house. You got <laughs> see, put that on your bucket list. <laughs> right. All right, that's a good that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, number three, the original post office in downtown Nashville is a fabulous Art Deco building which has now become the Frist Art Center. I've walked right by it. It is amazing. Oh, well, when you go inside of it, it's just fantastic. I, I went in there recently with an Australian friend who was visiting, and they had a display of one of the Vogue photographers from the 40s or 50s, and they had all of his pictures up around in the Frist Art Center, and it was just walking around and those Her- Harold pictures. Were those Harold? Harold, the right. photographer. You know, I can't remember his name. Harold did. Harold mm. did a lot of those really, but artsy sort of it, for movie stars and right, stuff. Right. Yeah. But it's uh, it's really uh, fantastic to walk around inside of it. Not only to see the art that they, they recently had a Van Gogh uh, display there. Oh wow! And. Yeah. Um, but you know, you take in how the you know the Art Deco building on the inside and the railings and stuff and stairways and it's really well cool. seen. But it used to be the original United States Post Office of Nashville. Britt and I funny. walked right by. We stayed in a little we stayed in a little place up by Vanderbilt. And when we walked downtown, yeah, we walked right by it. And I asked her even one time. I said, you know, I, this would be cool to go in because the outside is it's so Art Deco. It's yes. so neat. The windows, yeah. the, the, the yeah. way they're shaped. They've got a couple of doors uh-huh. that are massive. Good. That's good to know because we're going to be down there in a couple of weeks. We're coming down. Good. Yeah, for the podcast good. convention. But oh, that's right. We're yeah. also going to go see a little fella named – I think he's an up-and-comer. I think he's going to be good, named Garth Brooks. Oh, okay. I, I, I think he's got a career, but he's going to be at Nissan. We're going to go see CGB. Yeah. yeah. So Great. it's going to be fun. Wow. Yeah. That'll be a good time. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to do a couple of honorable mentions first. Okay. And I had Sydney Opera House also, so uh-huh. maybe you can cover that. Yeah. Um, the Oslo Opera House in Oslo, Norway oh, okay. is phenomenal, and it's very modern. It's really unlike any of the other things that I chose. The roof of it starts at ground level, and you can actually walk up onto the roof, and it slants. It's mostly Carrera marble and white granite. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's just really a cool feature. If you ever get a chance and take a look, and it sits right on the water, uh, reflects water off of it. Uh, you'll see people outside all the time up on the building because right. you, know, you start at street level and you just walk up on the roof, so you can look out over wow. the, the bay. And that's amazing. Yeah, it's very cool. They call it the flat iceberg because from the water, it does look with the angles and the way these thick slabs of white marble and and granite, it looks like a kind of like an iceberg. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. And then the other one is the monument to Victor Emmanuel II in Rome. They call it the wedding cake or the cream cake. Mm. And it's just this massive structure of arches and columns and statuary and – it's just so impressive. Mm. Um, and so we just drove by it on a tour bus, but it's an impressive around, pizza around, architecture. Right. It looks like <laughs> the heaviest building in the world. If you, <laughs> if, you, if you Google it, you'll see why they, they call it the wedding cake. That's what it looks like. This looks like this massive cake. So those are two of my honorable mentions. But my third choice is uh, – it's a local choice, and it's the Missouri State Capitol. Oh, of and um, wow. yes. Did, Brad, did we double on that? No, we didn't. Oh, okay, I no, thought you didn't. and I might because you're there a lot. I got one that's and, close to home, but not um, that one. Well, I and I have been fortunate enough to see a lot of state capitol buildings, mm-hmm. and I truly believe that we have one of the most beautiful capitol buildings in the nation. You do. Uh, it yeah. is built in, in what they call the neoclassical Roman style. The the craftsmanship when it was built, can't be duplicated today, mm-hmm. although it just had a, a well-deserved facelift. It did. And she, they did a great job She was it. 100 years old. Yeah. She, needed, she needed a nip and a tuck. Yeah, it looks – you can tell. It looks much better, and you can spend so much time looking at detail on the columns, the capitals of the columns, the domes, the, both exterior and interior – uh, oh, the, the rotunda, the artwork, yeah, the artwork is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The, Bing, the Bingham Gallery, the, the yeah. murals, yeah. Uh, the, the three-point perspective pictures. I don't oh, know if you've had it. it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I've uh, toured the Capitol twice now. Yeah, and the family's doing another one actually tomorrow morning. Yeah, oh. uh, it's an early one though. That's the only thing. But is it? I always get his name mixed up. Is it Thomas? Hart Benton. Hart Benton. Thomas Hart Benton. Is the, the artist. Yes. Who yeah. painted all those fantastic murals. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We were lucky enough to actually be taken into the where the public can't go right. and to see some of the murals in there, and they're, they're just phenomenal. Yeah, the house, have you ever the been to lodge. the top of the rotunda? I don't think I have. You legislators you, will you, yeah, you can you know get up somebody. There. Anytime you want to do that, let me know. We can get wear, you up there. Wear your hiking shoes. It's, it's a long climb. It's, it's a yeah. hike, but you get to yeah. see the infrastructure of the dome. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty and, cool. Uh, yeah. It's fun. But I'll tell you one of the, the most interesting things, and I won't. it'll never happen again, not in our lifetime, and that is Ceres, the goddess of agriculture, who's up on the top. Right. They brought her down, and she oh, really? she yeah. also got to go to the spa. Yeah, she got a yeah. cleaning. Oh, wow. yeah. So she got cleaned, and yeah, she'd been hit by lightning. Many pity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she got a many pity. She got a pity. Hey, for for a few days, they had her on ground, street ground. level, yeah. before they took her back up. Street and, level. And, yeah. And, yeah, and so she could get a close up. It was really neat. How wow. many people? I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people stopped and yeah. to see her. And yeah. She'd been she'd been beat around pretty good too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times she'd been hit by lightning up there, but no kidding. They, when they brought her back. I mean, she just gleamed. Yeah. It was it was really neat. And, wow. and again, we won't see that. We'll never see that again. She's right. Well, the, she's back up there. Yeah. The other thing about some of the interior features are like the Whispering Gallery, where you can stand on opposite sides of the rotunda, yeah. turn toward the wall, and because the way the shape of the walls and the yes. ceiling, yes, you can just whisper, and you still can hear yeah. it 
all the way across the rotunda. Yeah. Another and, great experience that we had as high school students in Jeff City is Capitol Caroling. We got to sing absolutely inside that rotunda, yeah. and the reverb. You I've, actually have I've, to learn. To I've handle, been to one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you yeah. have to learn to yeah. handle the reverb as a singer. Yes, or if you're not watching the conductor. And you start hearing echoes, you're going to be off. Nobody did it better than Carl Burkle. Yeah. I mean, there is there is nothing that will raise the hair in, in hearing the Hallelujah chorus at the end, and he holds that last note, and then silence, and it just goes, yeah, 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 boom, and and then you finish it up. It's, you don't have a soul if you don't feel something yeah. after you do that. Yeah. It yeah. was amazing. It was amazing. So those are mine. Nice pick. I'm surprised Good. we didn't – I'm really surprised we didn't double on that just because you're over there so much. That's probably why. Oh. Yeah. One of my um, honorable mentions is the beautiful Fox Theater in St. Louis. Yes. Oh, Did yeah. you ever get a chance to play the Fox? Oh, yeah. I yeah. play the Fox. Yeah. So, you I know, almost had that too. I have this warm spot in my heart for old theaters. You know, yeah. when I hear that an old theater gets turned down, it just, yeah. just kind of yeah. crushes me. And yeah. the Fox got close. Right. Back in the 70s, it was not in good shape. No, they had no. a consortium of folks that came in and completely redid it. I mean, that thing was built in 29. It's an, it was yeah. an old, it was back in the day when the studios bought, they, they had their own theaters. Wasn't mm. parts of Escape from New York with Kurt Russell shot in the Fox Theater before it was rehabbed? That's, right. how, that's how bad a shape it was in. Very well, could have been. I'm pretty sure it was. Mm. A movie set's about all it was right. worth, right? But the, ornateness of that yeah. theater. It took them a year and a half, two, three million dollars back in the early 80s to get it back up back, to where it is. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I've always said everything's better when you see it at the Fox. I just – Yeah. I saw, yeah, You know, big good. shows need to be held at the Fox. Yeah. I saw 42nd Street at the Fox Theater. It is just – that's the kind of show that you need to have at the Fox. Yeah. Right. right. And so I've got a, a warm spot for the, I Fox, love the Fox. Fox Theater. Uh, you guys play the Fox Theater? We played there. And we also played the Checkadon before. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That was an old, Speaking interesting of that, building. But our, our very first gig in St. Louis, I'll never forget this, was in 1976 again, and we were playing Wash U, hmm. Washington University. Yeah. Some of the people in charge of the booking, the bands and stuff, had forgotten to hire light, lighting for us. <laughs> And so all they had were these red and green spots. And I remember um, we hit the stage, but we played this blistering show. And the lighting just didn't matter because all the, the kids were just great. And that, that was our very, very first gig in, in St. Louis. They used to have the bragging rights games. They had Mizzou and Illinois in there. And let me tell you, that was at the end of the Checkered Dome's uh, checkered career. And I was thinking – I hope this place doesn't fall. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to go to a concert. Right. I it wouldn't have rickety. even wanted to hear. It was yeah. rickety near yeah. the if end. Yeah. Got, if you'd have gotten the DBs up on that one, man, the place would have just been shaken. Yeah. There's a blues plate in there, yeah. you know, yeah. for years and years and yeah. years. Yeah. Talk, wow. talk about Love rock, the rocking the house. But anyway, my third one is, um, as you may have guessed, uh, I love Key West more than any place oh, uh, do you? on okay. Earth. Yeah. And Hemingway's home is one of the more interesting places that you'll go in Key West, and architecturally for a couple of reasons. One, for a while anyway, I don't know about now, but for a while it was the only home in Key West that had a basement Hmm. because what you 
get when you drill down is what they call coral marble, which mm. is coral that has been compacted over millions right. of years, and it's very, very hard. Mm. So they quarried blocks out of this basement and used it in the wall that goes around, and that's another issue. You get at the end of the wall and look at that thing because I think most of Hemingway's drunk buddies helped him build this wall because it kind of, <laughs> it kind of goes it kind of goes in, it kind of out, and it's, it's, I don't think they plumbed it. I think they just kind of guessed and said, "Yeah, that's about right." But they used that rock, uh, and of course, you got the six-toed cats. They've got these mutant cats down there that have six toes, mm. and then while he was Overseas, during correspondence, he, he and his wife laid out this pool that they were going to put in because nobody had pools either down there. Right. But again, you got to quarry down through this stuff to build this pool. Yeah. They would correspond back and forth. The pool's going well. The pool's going well. So he gets home and Pauline says, what do you think? Look at the pool. And then she told him what it cost. And he went – Totally batshit on her. Just nuts. And he pulls a penny out, throws it down on the pool deck and said, here, now you can tell everybody that you took Hemingway's last cent. <laughs> and what they, and they encased it. The penny is encased in a little thing on the pool deck there. Oh, really? Yeah. The other uh, thing that, that is great about the Hemingway house is there is a watering device in the back. It's kind of a big urn. And then it flows down and there's a kind of a pool down there. And the cats go and they lick off of the, the waterfall. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, the bottom part is actually the urinal from Sloppy Joe's <laughs> that it's drunk buddies <laughs> drug down Duval Street to his house and threw it in the backyard. Of course, Pauline wasn't cool on that either, but she said, well, if you guys are that stupid, I can't move it back up. So she planted all these flowers around it and she made it into what looks like looks like a fountain. <laughs> so, you know, when you're given lemons, you make lemonade. There you yeah, go. Exactly. So anyway. Wow. Um, Real quick, what you, what you got coming up? What's what's going on in, in Beeb's life musically? Well, actually, um, um, <clears throat> going back to the very beginning, um, Zoot are doing a tour of That's Australia. what I was going to ask you. It's been this postponed. Fall? It's been postponed a couple oh, of years sh- because of COVID. You know? yeah. okay. I mean, the Australians are very, very strict about their COVID things. And they shut down uh, borders between states. You can't go anywhere. You're only allowed to go outside for two hours a day and all of this. So, but anyway, we had planned the national tour and, um, of course, my friend Daryl Cotton's not there anymore, but right. he's being replaced by a good friend of ours, Russell Morris, who's a big, big rock and roll star in Australia. So, uh, and when it got postponed, we, Rick's we, coming back to do it. Yeah. Rick's coming back to do it. And we, <laughs> we said, well, you know, because it's been postponed, let's try and write something, you know, write a new Zoot song. So we, we wrote a song via email. And it just got sent, the music files got sent to Australia. The original drummer played on it. Russell sang on it. Uh, got sent to me in Nashville. I sang my harmonies on it. And then it went back to Rick and it all got mixed yeah. in uh, at his studio. And it's a song called That Was Then, you know, which goes to talk about the old days of right. Zoot and the, you know, the crazy girls and the pink suits. And, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, what we did was because... The fans have been so faithful and patient waiting for us to do this tour and it got postponed. We have offered it to them as a free download. 
Oh, nice. For all t- ticket holders in Australia. Nice. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment. So now the, the tour has been postponed till October 2022. So we're waiting to see well, what happens. Well, that'll be exciting. It's that'll nice be, that yeah. technology allows you to still work on stuff yeah. remotely. Yeah. Yeah. We've so. written three or four songs together and we were thinking about coming out with a, you know, a little mini album or something, but cool. we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll try to Very watch. Good. We need to watch that and put that on. Uh, yes, we do. Because we try to keep up with yeah. our guests. Yeah, let us know that kind of stuff because we will do updates for you too. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah. make sure we stay in contact on that kind sure. of stuff. Yeah. We'll help you promote it. Sure. All right. Yeah. We have listeners in Australia. We do. One or two. I think. You know what? I think <laughs> I think if, if Beeb helped us, I think we could have a whole lot more. We could well, probably double our number of we could Austra- go from two Aussies to four that we got down. We could go over, that's right. Especially in the Barossa Valley. Yes. yes. Barossa. i got to remember that because I'm almost certain I've heard people who I considered pretty intelligent about wine pronounce it Barossa Valley. But uh, well, that's good you to know. know. Did, I'm not going to be one of them did, anymore. Did any of them live in Australia no, for no, years? No, I'm, I'm glad to know it. Well, there's I'm, two I can think of. You know, you, you tend to say Brisbane. Brisbane. It's Brisbane. Brisbane, yeah. And Melbourne. 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 It's just Melbourne. That's like Louisville. 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 Not Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. It's, it's not Louisville. 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 Yeah. You kind of swallow it. Yeah. New Orleans. And Nolans, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. And Bon Vivants, you know, we'll have the bottle. We'll also have links to any of Beeb's uh, sites as far as uh, what he's doing musically or where you might get the memoirs, anything like that, on our Facebook page. So we got to let him get back to his family. I we know. could keep it. We could hold him hostage, but it wouldn't be fair. <laughs> Thank you very much, Beeb. It's been an honor and a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And, I've, uh, I've enjoyed this. Well, yeah, thanks good. for having me. Thank you. On. I hope you've had fun. We, that's yeah. kind of what we do. That's what we do down here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's all about so, the things we like, and hence yeah. the title of the podcast. Yeah. So. All right, happy Keith. anniversary. Happy anniversary. Got you on my mind. <laughs> As always. All right. We're not going to sing it. We're out of here. Thanks, everybody. We Like That Too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of Bon Vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, welikethatpodcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle, two good friends, and three top picks because we We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too.